I'm here at the behest of a client. Who? I cannot say, but let me assure you this. My presence will be ornamental. You will find me a respectful, quiet, passive observer of the truth. You're listening to Movie Things with Lindsay and Gary. Season 2, episode number 8. And this episode's called Who Let the Knives Out? Who? Uh, Who? 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 I was going to avoid doing that, but (laughs) but that is a pretty great title. So this episode, we are going to be talking about 2019's Knives Out, directed by Ryan Johnson. This film is actually still in cinemas now. Maybe some of our listeners are watching it as we record this. Who knows? We recently caught this film and it wasn't originally in our plans to do an episode about it but we had just so much to talk about didn't we we kind of thought we'd missed the boat with it we didn't go see it when it first came out and it didn't feel like the kind of film that was going to stick around in cinemas forever but it's been a wee underdog and it's 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 still, still going yeah it's doing really really well so this film stars i mean I'm not going to go through every single person in it. It's a star-studded movie. It's like one of these films It's just full of A-listers. But a few of those actors include Jamie Lee Curtis, Daniel Craig, Tony Collette and Chris Evans, um, but there are many more. It's a murder mystery, if you've not seen it or heard of it. A whodunit, if you will. Yeah, a murder mystery with a decent dash of comedy. Yes, definitely. This ain't your typical episode of Murder, She Wrote. Cool, do you want to do a spoiler alert and then we'll get into the plot? Let's do it. So we are going to be talking about Knives Out in quite a lot of detail. We're going to be revealing the twists, the turns, and of course who actually done it. The murders and the mysteries. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the movie, like I said, it's still in cinemas, so there is a chance for you to go see it um, if you want to do that before listening. If you have seen Knives Out or if you're just happy to listen to us chat about it regardless, then that's cool too. Grab some snacks, settle on in, and we'll get started. You know what's coming next? (laughs) My question about appropriate Knives Out snacks. So I would say because Knives Out begins the aftermath of a birthday party, I'm going to say birthday cake. Maybe like cut with an inappropriately large knife. So Knives Out is set and centred around a beautiful mansion in New England. And we quickly learn that this massive house belongs to a world-famous crime novelist by the name of Harlan Thromby. Harlan has just died after his 85th birthday party. What a drag. (laughs) And his whole family, who just happen to be A-list actors, are at the house. He's been killed and it's starting to look like murder most foul. Luckily, Detective Blanc, played by Daniel Craig, is on hand, determined to unpick this tangled web of lies and cover-ups to find out who murdered Harlan. Benoit's introduction is so good. He's kind of sitting in the background of the police interviews, so we pick things up the next morning when the family members are being interviewed by the police to find out what they know about what happened the night before. And at first we don't really see Daniel Craig in his character he's kind of in Mm -hmm. the background and he starts hitting a key on a piano and which basically prompts the detective to ask a specific question 
and he doesn't introduce himself no. which makes it quite awkward to the people that are being interviewed some seem to know a wee bit more about him than others yeah. he's quite a mysterious character when he first appears although I think they can all agree that whoever he is he's important yeah because I think the thing that struck me was why are the police paying this guy so much respect yeah because he's not police he's like no. a private investigator yeah and we don't know who's hired him yeah, so he has his own sort of layer of mystery when he's brought into this film as well. Although this is a crime film about a murder case, it's also undeniably about a completely dysfunctional family unit. The family dynamic really creates all these layers like of, of intrigue like around the film. Everyone's a suspect and they're all in it for themselves. So yeah, like you say, they're being interviewed by the police and the police are really trying to pick together how has this man died who's behind it yeah and in these initial interviews you're sort of trying to make your first impressions and think well who do i think had something to do with this yeah and you totally could believe that any one of the family had a hand in the death they all seem to have something to gain from it yeah i mean there's everything to play for there's a huge inheritance in the family home to be snatched up i mean this family's rich they're like Mr. Burns rich. I mean, you could say release the hounds and it'd be pretty accurate because they have hounds. So everyone in the family is very greedy and very entitled, with the exception of Harlan's nurse, Marta, uh, who we'll come on to a little later. And yeah, every character feels that they should be taking what is in their mind rightfully theirs, I suppose. Yeah, as, as the film kind of unravels, as the, the story unravels a wee bit, we realise that Harlan's basically been bankrolling every single member of the family, mm -hmm. whether it's through giving his son sort of like distribution rights to his novels. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does for a living to basically just massive handouts to other members of his family who then become like Instagram famous or influencers. Um, and we see that he's had altercations with most of the family the night before, before he mysteriously died up in his like sort of secret attic room, which we'll, we'll come to. It seems like he spent his 85th birthday effectively cutting them all off. Yep, taking them all into his study one by one and letting them know that the gravy train stops here. And almost none of them took it well. No. So that basically leaves everybody a suspect. Everyone has a motive. Yeah. There's no better place for this sort of mystery to happen than in a house like this. Definitely. The house is the perfect setting for a life-size game of Cluedo, complete with hidden stairways, secret entrances, and even like just endless rooms, it seems. Um, you know, to the viewer, this house is just insane. It's so, it's so big and feels like it's almost filled with mystery as well. Yeah, it's a wee character in itself, isn't it? Like some, I read that some of the interior filming took place in a, a mansion in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. but the outside is actually a gothic mansion that was built in 1890. Oh, wow. But as part of the contract to use it in the film, the producers have agreed never to reveal the exact location, which is pretty cool. It gives it like a wee extra element of mystery. I mean, I think that sounds like a job for us to do next time we're in the States, <laughs> trying to track, track this house my down. My best gentleman detective outfit and Texan accent on and I'm going out there. I think um, I think the house is, it's so impressive and yeah, you're right, it is almost like a character in itself. Every character in this film feels like a caricature, especially Detective Blanc, who's this southern gentleman 
with an outrageous accent. We don't know who his employer is because he's just showed up and he just skulks his way around the crime scene with his cigar, tossing his coin, interviewing all the family members. You yeah, know? I think he really punctuates the whole story and he gives these like we one-liners all the time and everything mm-hmm. that just let you know that he's taking everything in. He knows everything isn't as it's being presented or as it's being told to him. Um, but you get the impression he doesn't miss a beat. Oh, he's three steps ahead of everybody at all times. And he gives you, like, most of your quotable lines in the film as well. The really simple but perfect, the mm-hmm. game's afoot. I love. Yeah. I love that. And he goes on a really rambling long story about how the whole thing's like a donut. Just like great wee moments. He doesn't overdo it dialogue-wise. And I was a wee bit worried when Daniel Craig first spoke in the movie because I thought, oh man, is that accent going to really annoy me as the movie progresses? It doesn't. You're saying that they're all like caricatures. They are, but it's so well-written that they're right on the line. Mm -hmm. It never steps over into, oh, this is is ridiculous. It always toes that line really nicely. Even Chris Evans' character, Ransom, he called Detective Blanc the CSI KFC, which, if you've not seen the film, hopefully our description and even that description paints enough of a picture for you to know what we're getting at. For me, one of the most entertaining parts of this film is how how deliciously wicked the family members are all being. There's just something really subtly funny about seeing all these really serious actors misbehave be totally arrogant and just try and lie their way into the clear and and try and snatch up all the money in the house. Yeah, a lot of them sort of like played against type a wee bit as well. So you've got Tony Collette who's got a really outrageous tan, OTT Botox and things like that. Like Yeah, clearly um so her sort of self made fortune, if you like, with with the help of obviously the family money. I think it's a bit of a parody of Gwyneth Paltrow's kind of goop lifestyle brand where it's like all really, really luxurious, over-the-top, organic lifestyle products. Um, And like you say, like lots of like Instagram marketing and everything. A caricature, like very much like a send-up of that kind of type, I think. Yeah, self-made but 100% bankrolled by the family. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, As you could say for, for most of them. Jamie Lee Curtis is amazing in the film as well. So she plays Harlan's daughter, another one bankrolled Mm -hmm. by her dad. Maybe not as much against type as like Tony Collette or Michael Shannon, but still quite an out there performance. Yeah. And then you've got Chris Evans, who plays the grandson. So he's Jamie Lee Curtis's son, Ransom. You're used to seeing Chris Evans play this really morally grounded captain america character all the time and the fact that that he's playing this complete like rich playboy arrogant guy that roars up to the house in a like vintage sports car with the sunglasses on and everything oh let me guess hey stop stop you drysdale call me ransom it's my middle name only the help calls me Hugh. okay uh this is trooper wagner i'm lieutenant elliot just want to ask a few questions. Excuse me. Sir? We're officers of the law? Are you going to run me in? I don't feel like talking. I'm distraught. Hey, Benny, you want to ask this guy some questions? All right, what is this? What's this arrangement? Mr. Drysdale. CSI KFC? 
<laughs> I found that really, really funny. Like, you're not used to seeing him play like a total Torag. You usually see him playing the upstanding hero, which is really, really funny. It's a really interesting character, though, because it goes both ways. You watch Ransom, and at certain points you think he's on one side and then the other and then back again, and you don't really know where you stand with him. It's quite an interesting character, I thought. I think the same can be said for the whole film, though. You think you know what's going on and then there's another twist and another turn and I think that's what hooks you in to Knives Out. I think it's just, it's the ride. Yeah, so as we follow Benoit Blanc's investigation, we realise that the family nurse has a pretty big role in things um, and a role in what happened the night before. Yeah, so the reading of the will intensifies matters somewhat as well. But before we get to that, just a wee bit more on the night before. We see the 85th birthday kick on. It's a fairly tedious like family affair with mm-hmm. lots of political chat and wee cliques within the family and everything. People getting too drunk, people chatting Storming about inappropriate out, things. Coming back, sneaking in, sneaking off, all the usual family I was gonna gathering say, you've stuff. Got to love family japes and scrapes <laughs> at a party. But the bit that we're actually interested in is when the nurse Marta puts Harlan to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a wee sort of secret room right up at the top of the house and she's obviously supposed to administer his, his daily medication before he goes he demands a game of go which is not a game i've ever played before but he no. won't go to bed without it it looks a wee bit like checkers or that mm-hmm. type of game he's basically like i'm not going to bed or taking my medication until we've had a game so that's the wee nightly ritual and then the board gets knocked over, which creates a bit of commotion downstairs. They think, oh, what's all the noise going on upstairs? But don't think too much of it. Marta leaves. And the next morning we find out that Harlan's dead upstairs with his throat slit. Brutal. We don't know if it's suicide or murder. But do you know what? I feel like Detective Blanc's going to take us there. If anyone is capable of finding out, I think we've found the right man. Like, I've got earrings that I've not seen for years and I'm thinking, I know just the guy that's going to help me get to the bottom of where they are. And apparently all you need to do is dump a sort of envelope of cash through his door with an address to send them to and that's you good to go. He needs no other prompt or information. Who would? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that brings us on to Benoit Blanc again and I don't think you can go too much further talking about the film without talking about Daniel Craig. I think this is like an amazing performance from him. For sure. Right from his introduction when he's orchestrating those police interviews to that accent. I would love to have recorded this full episode in that accent if I didn't sound Irish every time I tried to impersonate someone. Yeah, I think when you try and do (laughs) any accent from any part of the world. I know, it's a problem. Anyway, you don't normally associate Daniel Craig with like comedic roles, but he's really, really funny in this. And it's kind of like a knowingly wooden performance like he is a bit wooden but that's where the comedy comes yeah. from it's like you said it's it's right on the edge of like dodgy parody but it never quite crosses yeah. that line and, and goes too far doesn't he describe his occupation as being an observer of the truth or something <laughs> like that and that yeah. sums it up perfectly so obviously written directed and produced by ryan johnson it's really really well written the plot all unravels really nicely And it doesn't really tangle itself up. A lot of these kind of murder mystery films can almost try and be too clever and outsmart the audience and you end up just thinking... "Ah, What what just happened? Like, for this to be effective, you need the killer to be someone who has been 
right throughout the story and the plot the whole time. What I really don't want in a film like this is don't introduce me to a lost cousin or something like that. So. That that's only been mentioned in passing before. Like it has to be someone who's been really intrinsic to what we've just watched. So don't do the Scooby-Doo ending? Don't do the Scooby-Doo ending. I don't want it to be, I don't know, Ransom, but then he takes his face off and it's actually Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> but in reality, you actually find out the bulk of what happened fairly early on, but things keep subtly shifting as the investigation uncovers more and more. Mm-hmm. The, the trailer didn't do much for me for this film because I don't think there's any specific like standout scenes, if that makes sense. It's a wee bit, I wouldn't say it was a slow burner, but it does keep you guessing. So what it shows you effectively is, like we were talking about, that Marta takes Harlem up to bed Mm -hmm. and that he's dead the next morning. We then start to find out that Marta did have quite a big part to play in that Mm -hmm. and that she basically thinks that she mixed up the medication. And because she mixed up the medication, she's gave him a massive amount of morphine instead of whatever else she was supposed to so that he could cover that up because of how much he cared for Mara. He slit his own throat. Yep. So a wee bit of a combination of murder and suicide. We don't really know where we stand. And we think, well, that's pretty cut and dry then, but it's case, not. Case closed. It's not case closed. And Benoit knows that. Yeah. So after some interviews and checking out the building and doing some other detective work, there's then the reading of the will. Thank you all for getting together like this. It isn't legally necessary, but I thought because you're all in town and some of you are leaving soon. Excuse me. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to gently request that you all stay in town until the investigation is completed. Yeah, well, he's gently requesting, but I'm going to have to make that in order. No one move until we figure this all out. What? Can we ask Why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask. Mr. Stevens, uh, you may continue. I've never seen a scene in a film before where all the characters are basically like jackals, like they're all they're all ready yeah, it's like to a pounce. Pack of wolves, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it turns out that Harlem's left all his everything, everything, everything. to the nurse. Martha. Yeah, yeah. The problem is that although you watching it know that she did have a pretty big hand in him dying, you don't blame her because it was an accident and she obviously meant well and he cared for her a lot and he'd made that decision of sound mind. So you're not thinking, oh no, I can't believe that. She now needs to rectify this and give the family what they're due. You're thinking, go in your cell hen, like Yeah, exactly. None of these people deserve a penny, so fair play. Alternative title, on your cell Marta. <laughs> <laughs> They are all absolutely fuming at this outcome, reading the will, and they all turn on Marta, all talking at her at once, convincing her that the right thing to do would be to turn everything back over to them and don't worry, we'll throw you a little bit of pocket money, like, will you be looked after, all that kind of thing. They become quite desperate and it's quite overwhelming for her, so understandably she flees this totally intense situation. She, she can't get her car started and at this point she's pretty much surrounded by vapid like family members and of all the people to save her ransom comes back in yeah. his wee classic sports car i know and whisks her away to some sort of what appears to be a kind of seaside diner cozy cozy seaside pub type place lovely full of anchors in the walls a nice dinner and 
some lovely jumpers. Yeah, so let's take a moment and talk about Ransom and that sweater for a moment. So the sweater in the film is a cream-coloured cable knit sweater. It broke the internet. Like, seriously, guys, if you've not heard of Chris Evans's sweater in Knives Out, where have you been? I think Chris Evans even posted a picture of him and his dog in matching sweaters at Christmas time. I'm not saying it's influential, but I'm saying I've bought two cable knit sweaters since I've seen the film and I've never owned one before in my life. And we only seen the film a few weeks ago, guys, so <laughs> yeah. So Knives Out's um, costume designer, Jenny Egan, chose this sweater to actually signal Ransom's wealth and privilege. Oh no, if that, is that what I've done by buying these? No, no, it's just like this is why his character... Okay. So she told Esquire magazine that it's light in colour because rich people can always pull off white because it never gets dirty. Like, I mean, she's not wrong. Well, I can't, I'm the complete antithesis to I, that. I, I, I can't be trusted in white, not even for five minutes. This has started a trend that has set, like cable nut sweaters flying off the shelves and they're fairly stacking up in your wardrobe as well. That's true, that's true. But generally, I think the style in this film is something that I found really appealing. I loved Daniel Craig's sort of gentleman detective. It's a wee bit kind of like Poirot or something like mm-hmm. that, but it's very, very classic and very stylish. Yeah, definitely. And each member of the family, like you say, in their own wee sort of caricature has quite a distinctive style. After a series of more twists, more turns, and even a car chase, it's finally revealed who actually killed Harlan. So who done it? Well, there was time for one more twist still, even when we think we know who done it. Okay, so before we get to that, I've got some questions for you. And this is going to determine whether or not you would actually solve the case. Okay. Do I need to toss a coin as we're doing this, or is that okay? Let's just plant that image, but I think that might be a big ask for you. Play a single note on the piano as we're talking. Okay, so could you solve the Knives Out murder case? Just as a quiz? Yes. Okay, let's do it. Fairly straightforward though. Okay. Do you like watching crime shows? Yeah, I'd say yes-ish. Definitely more yes than... Do you mean like... the last crime show you watched? Probably Murder, She Wrote. (laughs) Like the 90s or something? (laughs) I think that probably says no. No. Okay, I don't like watching real ones. I like watching fictional ones. Pretty much a yes, no answer here, so just pick one. (laughs) Okay, I'll say no. That probably just tells you everything you need to know. Do you like watching documentaries? Yes. Are you good at puzzles? Uh, No. Do you like doing word searches? Yeah. Do you have good eyesight? Yeah. I have amazing eyesight. Oh, you. Are you someone who tends to bandwagon onto popular things? Eh, cable net jumpers aside. <laughs> They're asking about me, <laughs> not you. I'm going to say no. Take pride in my weirdness. Thank you very much. Are you very patient? Yes. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> are you more of a logical or creative thinker? Creative. Do you get scared easily? Yes. Are you a good listener? Yes. Are you an emotional person? Yes. Are you a risk taker? Yeah. Have you seen my outfits? <laughs> <laughs> Did you take good notes in school? Yeah. Took great notes for this show. Are you a slow learner? No. I mean, everyone learns at different paces. Do you tend to be stubborn? No. I think I'm pretty laid back, actually. Do you feel that you have good instincts? Yeah. Do you get frustrated easy? No. Are you good at reading others? Yeah, I like to think so. Do you have a good poker face? <laughs> I think you should answer this. 
surprisingly, when actually playing poker, like one time we've ever done that, yes. But <laughs> I don't know if that was just a good poker face or genuinely not knowing the rules and just winning by fluke. <laughs> just happy to be there. I think But I've... generally, I would say no. <laughs> we'll say no then. It's your quiz. No, say no then. Okay. Are you more street smart or school smart? I think again, you should answer this one for me. <laughs> school smart it is. You cracked the case. There we go. You're someone who is very logical. You're great at filling in the missing pieces. Brain games like trivia and crosswords are child's play for you. You know deduction is key and you take things step by step. That's turned into a wee bit horoscopy for me, so apologies for that. But the good news is, you've done it. You I cracked the case. I solved the case. So... I got all the knives out. Any, <laughs> anybody who needs your expertise need just drop an envelope full of cash through the letterbox at the next opportunity. If you're feeling generous, just do it anyway, guys. We'll also take payment and cable knit sweaters, apparently. <laughs> oh, someone's got to, to feed your new addiction to cable knit sweaters. <laughs> well, that was very enjoyable. I enjoyed that. Although I have to say, just because I enjoy word searches doesn't mean they're child's play to me. <laughs> I never said I find any words. <laughs> I just it's enjoy just doing them. <laughs> That was good. Do you think you'd be able to crack the case? Yeah. I don't know if I've got the patience for the family. I think part of me would probably be like, ugh, all these people are terrible. Just let them fight amongst themselves and who cares? There's no winners in this anyway. But Benoit Blanc is like a man of his word. He's thinking, I've been paid to crack this fully open and he stays until that's totally done. He does have a few opportunities where you think he could probably walk away at this point and who cares? But he stays till every last detail of the case is uncovered. It's because he's an observer of the truth. <laughs> it's like something I'd put in my Twitter bio but not actually adhere to. <laughs> observer of lies. <laughs> <laughs> observer of truth as long as it doesn't take too long. Stutter of pots. <laughs> as long as there's not too many people involved. So the moment everyone's been waiting for, let's do it. Let's reveal who done it. Ransom. What? With a poison in the study. Not the lead pipe in the library. Full Cluedo style. <laughs> so it turns out that Ransom actually switched the drugs initially. Mm -hmm. And then when the drugs got mixed up by Marta, she was actually putting them back in their original place. Mm -hmm. Because she knew which drug was which without actually looking at the label because she is actually the greatest nurse of all time. Yeah. And it turns out then that Harlan killed himself unnecessarily because he had been given the right dose of medication. But all this was caused by Ransom and his beautiful jumper. It's always the ones with the beautiful jumpers you've got to watch out for. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a wardrobe full of them after watching this. So is this a good time for me to drop my facto for this week? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So the influence for Knives Out was to provide a modern American setting for a classic Agatha Christie style story. I would say it's definitely achieved that. My wee facto this week is about Agatha Christie. Okay, I'm so intrigued. Agatha was a member of the famous Detection Club, which was a gathering of famous crime writers in England. The members took an oath around how they would structure their stories promising never to keep vital clues a secret from readers and never to use fictional poisons as a plot point. And never to do a Scooby-Doo ending. <laughs> <laughs> this ties into much of Christie's work. She was reported to actually hate violence 
and as a result preferred poison as the method to kill our characters and kick off the mystery element of our stories. Christie's most famous detectives, Miss Marple and Poirot, didn't carry weapons and almost never resorted to violence. I thought that was quite like Knives Out. Yeah, yeah. Apart from at the end when Chris Evans tries to stab Marta, but... With a, a retractable plastic knife. Well, that's the thing. And then I think there's a part earlier in the film where someone, while talking about Ransom, says something like he wouldn't know the difference between a stage <laughs> knife and a real knife. And that's later demonstrated. Yeah, so Agatha Christie actually became honorary president of that club in the 1950s on one condition, that she would never be asked to give a speech. I quite like that. I was going to say, that's a very you request, isn't it? <laughs> I will lead you all but I'm never speaking to you. It's like you're the same person. I can't believe it. <laughs> Me and Agatha Christie have never been seen in the same room at the same time, that's for sure. <laughs> so what would you rate Knives Out? So I think that Knives Out is a fantastic example of a murder mystery done well. It's a triumph. It was a feast for the eyes, first of all, like you say, the, the costumes and the house and, and everything. It was visually stunning. But the characters, the writing and the situations are outrageous enough to add in some brilliant humour. And I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. For me, it's no surprise that it's still absolutely knocking it out of the park at the cinema almost three months later. It's a strong 9 out of 10 for me. I think it's a, it's a triumph. I think it's a great film. Yeah, I've given it a 9 out of 10 as well. Wow. So Knives Out was obviously released in 2019 and it would quite comfortably have made it into my top five, only given that we didn't see it until yeah. 2020. But it would have comfortably made it into my best of. I love the style and the story and I think the characters were absolutely magic. I think each character felt like they had multiple layers but they weren't over the top and I think that's a real credit to the writing. Mm. Everyone felt like they had depth, but you didn't spend so long with any one character that it became boring and it didn't feel like laborious learning about them or anything like that. It was really nicely paced. You got to know all the characters without knowing too much about them. You, there was still always that wee shred of doubt. And like I said right at the beginning, you believed all the way through it that any one or any combination of them could have been in on the plot. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, I think that the film's paced really nicely as well. It doesn't linger too long over any character, like you said, and it moves along. I think because it's led by a series of different twists and turns, it just paces itself along nicely and leads you through the story. Yeah, so I think the fact that I thought we'd miss the chance to see it in the cinema at Christmas and that it's still going in the cinema now is pretty impressive. Yeah. And that's like a wee indication of how successful it's been. Probably more successful than anybody expected. But yeah, I loved it. I would have quite happily started watching it again as soon as it was done. What I think will be interesting is when we do have that second viewing and start to notice little things that maybe we didn't take in the first time around. It's definitely a film I'm, I'm keen to see again. So yeah, 9 out of 10. And we hope that you guys see it. If you haven't seen it already, we would thoroughly recommend it if you haven't got that vibe from us already. Yeah, so hit us up on social media and let us know if you would crack the case. And if you took any specific style tips from any of the characters, <laughs> aye, tell me if your wardrobe's now full of cable knits. Hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at MovieThingsPod and let us know. And if you could leave us a wee review wherever you listen, that would be magic. So that's it. That, that's our show for this week, guys. The knives are out. The knives are out. 
all out. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.